Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greg Peterson here, and I want to thank you for listening to the Urban Farm Podcast. We wouldn't be able to keep doing these great shows without you. So as a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you access to a list of our top 10 episodes I personally find most inspiring. If you enjoy the Urban Farm Podcast, but don't have time to listen to everyone, then you will love this list. Although all our guests have great information to offer, if you are short on time, these 10 are must-listens. To get access to the top 10 most inspiring podcast episodes, text FARMER to 44222. That's FARMER to 44222. And enjoy listening. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Manuel Gonzalez of Startup Innovation to talk about his experience with innovation in food and ag. Manuel is a North American head of Startup Innovation, where he leads the growth of their startup platform Food Bites and new accelerator Terra. At the same time, he focuses on developing plans around relationships with startup firms that can benefit corporate clients. Manuel has been head of the San Francisco Office of Startup Innovation since 2012, where he led the process that greatly strengthened relationships with corporate clients in western regions of the U.S., he joined Rabobank in 1996 as project manager and is now the general manager. Under his leadership, the Mexico franchise significantly strengthened business performance, achieving considerable increases in revenue, cross-sell, and net income. Manuel is instrumental in building a strong local investment banking team and in fostering high-performance culture focused on enhancing clients' relationships. Welcome to the show today, Manuel. Thank you, Greg. You know, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here with you and, and have a, a conversation. Absolutely. I'm actually really excited to talk to you because back in October, you guys did this uh, Food Bites program out of Boulder, and I heard about you then. And it's like when I heard about the program, and we're going to talk about that, I said, man, we got to have them on the show. So thanks for being here. Yes. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you again. And Boulder was a great event. The community was, was incredible, and, and it was quite a discovery for me, nice. for us, based in, in San Francisco. So we, we really, really, really liked being there. Nice. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, it's, it's been quite a, quite a ride so far, 20 years with 
with the bank, with Raul Bank, it started in Mexico City in project management, as you told, and, and then finally country manager, and now here in, uh, in San Francisco, and working in the food and ag space all this time. The bank I work for, Raul Bank, is a bank that is a Dutch bank, and it's a bank that outside of the Netherlands only works with food and agri companies. Oh, wow. So my experience, which is very interesting, my, my experience has always been and, and even before the bank, my experience before the bank was in a dairy company. So I've always been working in, in food, uh-huh. in ag, as both as an entrepreneur and then as a banker. So that has been my experience here. In the, then I came to San Francisco, as you said, in 2012. And frankly, I was shocked because I can tell you something that to be here in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley, where, where I live, uh-huh. it's quite shocking. You... Once you experience San Francisco, Silicon Valley, it, uh, you're changed forever. <laughs> and I never expected it. I never expected to feel the need to do more right. <laughs> the way I, I felt it here. Wow, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So your title is North American Head of Innovation. And yes. that's for Rabobank. And you just said a moment ago that Rabobank, outside of the Netherlands, only works with food and ag. Yes. So tell us about the innovative stuff that you're doing in food and ag. When I came here to San Francisco and and to Silicon Valley, one of the things that I observed was that being a bank that outside of the Netherlands and globally only works in the food and ag space, Mm -hmm. it was quite shocking and uh, worrisome that we were not engaging with the innovation uh, ecosystem in food and ag, mm. and in particular at a time like this when things are changing in ways that we haven't seen ever, probably. Right. You know, in, in changing consumer preferences, in changing technology, the speed at which these things are done, we had never seen before. And and yeah. uh, so I I saw that as a problem. Uh, you know, why we're here, and why are we not engaging with with this community? And that's how it started. Uh, you know, if these are going to be our future clients, or these are going to be the people that our existing clients want to, want to meet, we need to engage with them. Mm-hmm. And that's how this innovation process started. And and um, it's a little bit different from what you would normally see as innovation within a financial institution, which would be innovation directed towards your your own technology, which is fintech. But this is really about engaging with the innovation community that is changing our clients and the sector where we operate. So it's a little bit different. Tell me, what's this whole notion of innovation? When you're in it, let me rephrase that. When you're interacting with those people that are creating innovation to work with your clients, what does that mean? Let me start by saying, you know, why do we do this as, as a bank? And because then it will make sense. Uh, we have basically two missions. One is banking for the Netherlands, as, because as, as I said, we're a Dutch, we are a Dutch bank. Right. Uh, uh, but it's in Netherlands. And the other one is called banking for food. And that is our mission outside of the Netherlands. And that means three basic, basic things. The way that we think we are going to do that is by improving the access to networks for people. Uh, improving the access to knowledge and improving the access to finance. And, and that's how we define the reasons why we do something. So 
when talking about engagement with the innovation ecosystem, one of the things that we show is, can we bring the network together? Can we bring, can we bring this in, you know, investor, entrepreneur, thought leader closer to the larger companies? Ah. Can we help that engage them? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the questions from a networking point of view. Then, can we bring the knowledge to both sides? Uh, can we bring the knowledge that we have from acting as a global sector firm mm -hmm. to the entrepreneur? And can we bring what we're learning from the entrepreneurs and from the innovation uh, community to our global network? So that's network knowledge. And then finance. Uh, can we help them uh, you know, connect the dots and help each other? Usually entrepreneurs really need capital. Yep. Large companies and investors have capital. So, so that, that, that connection was also very clear. So those are the three main things that we're trying to accomplish. Got it. It's, an, it's the networking effect, it's the yeah. knowledge effect, and then the finance effect. Got it. Okay. So I got it. So I create this really, really, really cool food gadget. I'm an entrepreneur, and I've you know, put $100,000 of my own money into it, and I've got this really good plan. I come to you, and you help me make the connections to have that really come to fruition. That's correct, and I'm doing it two ways. One, through Food Bites, I'm, I'm giving you the stage to put the word out about what you're doing. Right. So you're going to come here, you're going to pitch, but also we're, you're going to be on a very intense social media uh, platform ah. that is going to allow people outside of where you are get to know who you are. Uh -huh. So that's, you know, this is a stage where you will be heard, and you will be heard by people who want to hear about food and ag. Because that was one of the things I, I, I observed when I was in San Francisco is that it was all tech, right? It was tech, tech, oh, tech, yes, tech which course. is amazing. Yep. But, but one of the things I, I, I thought is, uh, can we do something like this for food and ag? You know, can we create a stage where the main, and, and actually the only focus is food. So the people who are there are people who want to hear about food and ag not people who want to hear about tech, and just by by passing, uh -huh. they'll, they'll listen to the food entrepreneur. Right. So the stage of food bites is one, and the and Terra is is a uh, it's a more intense relationship because in this in the case of Terra we have a very strong group of corporates that are, that are there together with us, and they're really going to engage very closely with the startups. So uh, it's a it's really a more intense kind of relationship that we're building we're there we're really bringing closer together corporates who want to engage with startups and startups that are ready to engage with corporates so that's a more intense a more uh, intimate if you want process right okay good so now you just gave me the overview of that let's talk about exactly what food bites is and what it might look like and how people could participate because when I heard about this I actually got excited it's like wow I, I want the people that are pitching, I want them on our podcast because our world needs to hear this stuff. So what does Food Bites do? What does it look like? How does it come together? Food Bites is a pitching event. So what happens and right now, we're, we are still in the application process so people can, can go uh, to foodbitesworld.com uh, and apply. Uh -huh. Applications close Sunday night. Oh, so, wow. Uh, you still have some time to do it. So you apply to Food Bites, then we go through a very intense and very 
well-developed scoring process and, and, and selection process. And we choose out of the, I think we usually have about 150 applications per event. Uh -huh. And we choose 10 finalists and 10 runner-ups. Those 10 finalists are going to have a, uh, a five-minute pitch wow. uh, on stage. Yeah. And the runner-ups are going to have a 60-second a pitch. Oh, my god! And gosh. they're going to have a, yeah, it, which is, by the way, a very, very interesting process because it really makes you think about what's important about your company. You know, oh, yes. Second elevator pitch. Yeah. Can you say in 60 seconds what you're doing and why should I engage with you? Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. And that's what happens. So the, the event is not a conference. It's not about the keynote speakers. There are no, like, you know, one-hour speech where everybody gets bored. Uh -huh. These are, like, you know, it's about the entrepreneurs. It's only them on stage. And the 60-second pitches, the five-minute pitches, Q&A, and we're done. Yeah. So it's an afternoon. It's about networking. It's about listening to people. It's about getting together. And it's a lot of fun, which is something I really wanted. I did not want a, a, an event where people go, they sit, they play with their phones because they get bored after 20 minutes. Yep. And, you know, very typical. We wanted something that was dynamic, that would bring the energy of innovation, and that would people would really like and be engaged through the event and then talk to each other and make those connections. Right. And that's what Food Bites is about. So tell me about some of the success stories that you've had for people that have pitched at Food Bites. So if I were to come and pitch my 60-second or five-minute, who's listening, and what kind of results could might I expect? The, the audience is going to be made up of uh, a lot of investors, venture capital, uh, family offices, individual investors, people who are really looking for um, you know, new new places where to put their their funds or their money. There are also uh, large uh, food and ag corporations who are either looking for ways to engage with startups, or that they have their venture arm or their innovation arm, and you know, there are different ways. Yeah, different companies have different answers to that. So there are going to be strategics, investors, press and thought leaders and ton of rabble bankers <laughs> yeah so that that's going to be the audience so you're you wow. are really talking to people in the food space only yes yeah and wow. which is very interesting because they get it right exactly you know the questions are very good yeah where's where's the next where and when is the next one next food bites is march 16th in san francisco uh-huh Wow. And that's coming, um, that's coming up fast. Yeah, it's coming up fast. We have a lot of applications, great companies. I think it's going to be a a uh, a very very strong field of of pitching. Yeah. But also, it's going to be a very strong uh, investor audience. So that's going to that's interesting for the entrepreneurs. Very yeah. very strong. We're getting nice. a lot of incoming requests from people investing in this space. So that's very important. It's going yeah. to be it's going to yeah. be very exactly. very strong. That that side too so uh, there's got to be one success story out there for you that just stands out in your mind well actually there are a few um Kuli Kuli it's a it's a very a, a very interesting company and they were in our first food bites and they just raised equity from 
very important um, investors. Uh -huh. Back to the Roots was also in Food Bites. Ager Point, it's, it's another one. Arable, Myco Technologies, a great company from Colorado. Yeah. Love the Wild, another company from Boulder. Oh, nice. Um, tell us, tell us about yeah, Love so, the. Yeah. Tell us about Love the Wild, would you? Love the Wild is a seafood company, and it's a uh, a very interesting seafood company because it's one of the few in the in the seafood innovation space that is really looking at what the consumer wants. One of the the issues in seafood is increasing the consumption per capita in the U.S. Yeah. And one of the reasons why consumption per capita in the U.S. in the U.S. is not that high is because people don't really like to cook it at home. Most people don't know how to choose seafood. Yep. Uh, you know, from the supermarket, you don't know if it's fresh. Right. Where does it come from? Is yep. It, and also, people are not very good at cooking fish or seafood. Right. So people don't do it. Yeah. Usually, people will consume it at a restaurant. Right. Mm -hmm. Love the Wild solves this because they give you basically a kit of sustainably raised fish. Right. And it has everything so you can cook it easily at home. So it solves the freshness, quality, sustainability, you know, recipe. It just makes it easy and simple. So it, it is a company that is really going after this issue of how do we make this pie bigger? Yeah. How do we help people consume more fish at home? Nice. Nice, and so they, they pitched and they got funding? Well, they pitched, they got to know people and more people, and, and in the end, yes, they, I think, love the wild. It just uh, raised uh, enough equity. This is the thing. I think it would be very arrogant to claim that because of food bites, they got funding. But certainly, and, and talking about all these companies, these companies have met people that in the end did make an investment yeah. in their companies in food bites. Of course, you know, negotiations start, you know, the conversations and, and a relationship starts before you actually make a decision to make an investment. Mm -hmm. But people are making their, their initial connections and their, you know, they get to know each other in, in food bites and then they continue the conversations in the future. And yeah. sometimes those conversations get to that, other times they don't. But we certainly are putting the stage there for you in front of the people who can, are probably the, the best position to invest in your company yeah. or to partner with you or to help you. You're planting the seeds. Yeah. yeah. It's a stage. And, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, it's a network. We want to build a network. We want to be able to share the knowledge. And we want to be able to, put, uh, to, allow, to help people connect those dots. That's, nice. that's exactly yeah. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. So tell us about Terra. Terra is an accelerator, and it's uh, not an incubator. And I want to make that point. We, we are not, we are not going to have people with you know a, a business plan, an idea who want to be incubated. Terra is about scaling. So we in uh. Terra, we are looking for companies that are a little bit of a, at a, a bit of a later stage. So mm -hmm. people who have a, a team in place, a minimum viable product, already some traction in their product, a plan. So we want companies that are at a point where they can engage with a large corporate. 
because the model in, in Terra is very much based on pilot programs. What we want is for people who have a product to engage with a corporate and test their product so yeah. and then get to scaling. So so we want people who are just before the moment when when they are looking to scale. They want to scale and they want to find and learn the way how to do it. Nice. So it, it is a it is developed in a way where corporates and entrepreneurs are going to have a very close, very intense relationship. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, really about scaling. That's that's what we're doing in Terra. It's here in San Francisco. It's a partnership with Rocket Space, which is one of the most incredible tech campuses in in the city. Oh, nice. It's nice. A, it's a uh, it, it's a great company that that has had a lot of success in tech. So we're putting together their experience in in the tech world with our experience in food and ag and building an accelerator for food and ag companies. Yeah. Wow. You're hitting both ends. That's great. So what trends are you seeing in food and ag that you think will continue to grow in 2017 and beyond? The, you know, there are a few, but I, I probably would like to focus on, on two or three. Then the, the first one, uh, I think the uh, waste the elimination of waste. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about the global food challenge and all this conversation about feeding 9 billion people, blah, 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 maybe the answer is in the elimination in waste more than on producing more. Yeah. And, wow. and as you know very well, ab about more than 40% of the food that is produced in the world is, is wasted. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm thinking that maybe the, ver the first question that we need to answer is has to do with waste. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the solutions to feeding people is probably there. Yeah. So waste is is a trend that we see that is very strong and is going to continue just mm -hmm. because of uh, how much is wasted and the the cost effects, you know, the the economic effects of it. So there's a lot of money in that and a very strong social impact in that. So that's one. The other one, second one, has to do with ingredients. So the oh, consumer yes. wants to see, you know, smaller labels with things that they can understand what that is <laughs> and where nice. it comes from, yep. and that is natural, organic. And that is, by the way, very difficult. It's, it's a, um, there are a lot of issues and problems that need to be solved for that to be a reality, where you will see a label of things that you know are good for you, that they're natural, organic, and all the things that we right. all want. Yeah. But it's not that easy. It's quite complicated when you talk about colors, flavors, aroma, and a number of things that, that are used in, in uh, consumer products that are in the label and that we want to change. And, and there's a big business there. Yeah. And there's a big sustainability and health reason why this is important. So ingredients, uh, I see as, as very important. And if you go to ag, everything that has to do with data management is very important because there's a lot of data produced in the primary side that we need to learn how to use and we need to be able to give to the farmer in a way that is usable. So those three trends, if, if you wish, would be yeah. those that, that are going to continue to be very important. And, this year in the future. The first two were like, absolutely, of course, now that you call them that, 
the data management part, that, that's an interesting piece. That kind of surprised me a little bit. However, it makes a lot of sense. Can you say a little bit more about that? Well, you know, when you think about even the environment, how can you manage your land or, you know, your, your operation primary in the production of, you know, what's going to be either the raw material of something or a product that is going to be consumed by somebody? Uh-huh. How do you manage that land in a way that is more sustainable, that is efficient, that has less stress on yeah. resources, but at the same time produces the right thing at the right quantity and at the right price? Yeah. And the answer to that is in the data. How are plant, plants responding to the input? And how can you become more efficient, more sustainable? Yeah. And that is the answer to that is is going to be in the data in, the data, in many yeah. ways, and also the search for the solution is in the data. So yeah. the data can tell you you need a solution that looks like this. Yeah, and then you can look for that solution. Wow. So that's why data is so important. And one of the big problems of data is that there's a lot of it. <laughs> and yeah, how do you use it? You know, how do you use it? How do also how do you have a the proper interface mm-hmm. so farmers can use it. You know, farmers have a very tough job. It's a, you know, it never stops from, you know, the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. It's very difficult to find the time then to sort out the data. Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. So it needs to be usable, uh, has to be friendly, has to be actionable. And that's part of the, you know, the, the things that are happening with data. Yeah, the data conundrum. <laughs> yeah yes, exactly yes. wow well thanks thanks for those three that that makes a whole lot of sense so i'm going to shift on you and i'd like for you to talk about a time you failed how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it failing is always an important part let me tell you the way i work it actually depends a little bit on failing because i i have this belief that perfection is the enemy of action oh uh, sometimes perfection Sometimes perfection yep. is an excuse not to do something. Yeah. And I believe it's important that you act and iterate. So you yeah. fail forward. That the concept of failing forward. So when, when you know where you're going uh-huh. and you know what you want to do, then you should act, learn, act, learn, act, learn. Yeah. Now, going to a specific uh, example of, of um, when this happened to me, I'm just when at some point I did have my own company that I started uh, many years ago before I started with the bank in Mexico. I I am from Mexico. And Uh that company failed. It failed for many reasons. One of them, there was an economic situation in Mexico in 95 that was very challenging. Interest rates were just very high. We had a loan. We couldn't deal with it, which is a very good excuse. However, other people did solve the issue. I didn't. Right. We sold the company. At least we didn't lose money. But we just couldn't, in the end, you know, build what we wanted to build yeah. in that sense. So, in the one hand, it is a failure because we did not, we couldn't continue that company and build what we wanted. Uh, but I learned a lot out yeah. of it, yeah. and for me, it fell forward because I learned about, you know, the the issues that you have to deal with when a company is not doing well, when uh-huh. you don't know where it come, the money is going to come from, where. Um, and actually, today when I talk to entrepreneurs, I I get it, you know, right? <laughs> because I, I was there at some point, and I understand how it feels. 
and the stress and the emotional problems that come out of it. Yeah. Uh, I know I lived through it, so yeah. I, I think it gives me a little bit more empathy, but also uh, some strategies. Yeah. I love your fail forward part. That is cool. That is cool. <laughs> so what do you consider your biggest success? My biggest success is to still survive in the in a banking world that is so competitive and so mm. difficult and mm -hmm. and to be able to be able to actually in you know even after 20 years doing this that I was able to reinvent myself in into the innovation space you can teach an old dog a new trick yeah. that's <laughs> Uh, that for me, I'm, I'm really yeah. enjoying what I'm learning from this energy and the ambition level of San Francisco and Silicon yeah. Valley. And that so far has been professionally my greatest success. Nice. Personally, nice. I have a big family. That's oh, my, beautiful. That's my joy. Yeah. So, I, that, uh, I can hear that in your voice. Yeah. That's my joy, Perfect. my family. So what drives you? I have this need of building something that matters, and and I want I want to be able to do something that makes a difference, yeah, and that helps people, and that makes me proud. And I think that that I found it in, I found it here. I found it in in um, creating something that can help entrepreneurs and can help the bank that I work for, mm -hmm. and that makes my kids proud. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm all about education, and I have to know, is there one book that has been significantly influential for you in this process? Lately, there are two or three that I think are very important and, and that I actually keep very close to me. One is The Innovator's Dilemma, which precisely talks about how difficult it is to innovate within large corporations yeah. and why why very well-managed corporations fail, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. The other one is uh, Peter Thiel's Zero to One, which is also a very interesting book about Zero to One, which is creating something out of nothing, where yeah. there was nothing. Yeah. And that is a, it's a very, very good book. And the third one is Abundance, um, Peter Diamandis from Singularity. Oh, University. yes, yes. It's a, it's a very interesting book, and it's in... It's an optimist book, and I am one of those. Uh, I am one of those persons who believes that solutions will come for the, for the problems of the world. And I have that view because I see what people are doing, and I find that energizing, and I find that fascinating, and I think people will find those solutions. Yeah. So those three books, because of what represent, you know, the the issues in a corporation, which is where I work, right. what it is like to build something out of nothing, and then third, uh, what the future looks like and why we should be uh, optimistic about it. Yeah. Beautiful. So why should we be optimistic about the future? Really because of the entrepreneur, because of, of the drive that people have to find solutions for things that yeah. are important. Yeah. That's why. You know, as you move in this world of, of entrepreneurs, of innovation, of energy, and of ambition, uh, you have to believe in it because you see people changing the world every day, and it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Fail forward. If you ask me why I think that Silicon Valley is so successful, uh -huh. it's because people here are not afraid to fail. Yeah. 
and because they do it frequently and because they do it forward. And don't be act. Don't be afraid to fail. If you don't act, you will never do something. Yeah. And from that, you know, there's a phrase from my guru, which is Walt Disney. Uh-huh. He said, <laughs> he said that the secret to doing something is to stop talking and start acting. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And that's why I asked the question that I ask about, you know, your failures, because that's how we learn. And so many people are so petrified to actually fail that they don't ever get anything done. And you spoke to that several times. And, and many times, you know, if you also want to impose a, an advice to corporations, one of the reasons why corporations have a, a difficult time innovating is, be, is because people are deathly afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. Because they're going to be punished. Right. So, you know, failure means you're going to lose your job. So what you do is you do what you're told uh-huh. and and just do it the way everybody has done it because, you know, that's how you keep your job. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah. it goes both ways, both for the people uh, out in the world trying to do new things. Uh, don't be afraid. But also internally, corporations, yeah. they need to change their culture and allow people to make mistakes. Yeah. That's a beautiful last word there. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience today with us, Manuel. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. No, thank you, Greg. It was it was really, really interesting. I, I loved cool. it. So tell us how do we get a hold of Food Bites, of Terra? How do we get a, how do we find out more information about all of this? Food Bites is foodbitesworld.com and there there's all the contacts and, and you can reach everybody and mm-hmm. me included there. And in case of Terra is TerraAccelerator.com and Terra with double R. Got it. So TerraAccelerator.com. And Food Bites is F O O D B Y T E S. Food Bites. That's right. Yeah. That's correct. Perfect. You can also find more on our show notes page from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org backslash Food Bites. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Greg Peterson here, and I want to thank you for listening to the Urban Farm Podcast. We wouldn't be able to keep doing these great shows without you. So as a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you access to a list of our top 10 episodes I personally find most inspiring. If you enjoy the Urban Farm Podcast, but don't have time to listen to everyone, then you will love this list. Although all our guests have great information to offer, if you are short on time, These 10 are must-listens. To get access to the top 10 most inspiring podcast episodes, text FARMER to 44222. That's FARMER to 44222. And enjoy listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, 
Hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18 and that was a long time ago. Then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.